Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. We are basically at the end of a Premier League season, three game weeks in advance. And so we're going to give you all the juicy topics that you want to talk about right here. We were just talking actually a minute ago, and I feel like I haven't done this in a minute. We're we're in random locations. Chartable.com tells me we're doing quite well in Gambia, Turkey, Pakistan, India, uh, France, like Kylian Mbappe listens to the podcast apparently, uh, Italy, Norway. So shout out anyone from those regions that are listening and those that I haven't mentioned. And if if I haven't mentioned you, it's because your region's not doing well enough. So go to your aunt, your gran, your best mate, your schoolmates, and tell them to listen to the No Ratings podcast. Uh, We've got a very exciting one on today. We've got a very exciting one on. James is here, uh, as usual, providing us with the Arsenal insight. And for for whatever reason, like, super cheery. I don't know why, James. Why are you cheery? It's it's one of those things where you have to laugh, otherwise you'll cry, basically. Um, (laughs) It is what it is. We've had a horrible end to the season. Um, I can't wait for next season to start because I'm sick of it. Um, but I will be at already, Wolves, I, I will, I will be at Wolves next week anyway, um, and hopefully we won't lose again because we've got seven points from like 27 available. It's it's been embarrassing, but we will talk about that later. I'd, I didn't even have to say anything there. I think you you are desperate for this therapy session. Yes, um, <laughs> the two other fellas that are in here are new to the pod, but the pod often acts as a therapy, a free therapy session for the guys. Uh, so if you're feeling in pain about anything in life, please come to the No Ratings Podcast and discuss it with us. There will be no solutions provided, nor fixes. You will just leave with a story to tell. Um, and someone who has got a story to tell, to be fair, that was an, a complete accidental queue up but it's what we do here. Um, Mabeen has just come off a uh, race around the world. I can't believe I nearly forgot, <laughs> <laughs> forgot the title of the show. <laughs> um, how are you, bro? First time on the pod. I'm very good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Oh, <laughs> that, that wasn't me. Propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who that was. It wasn't me either. So it, it wasn't James. <laughs> it wasn't me. You can have my word. It was not me. That was James was about to say, listen, I've just converted. <laughs> Here we go. The whole pod is going to go, let's go. We're going number one in all Muslim regions. <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Here we come. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> uh, Mabeen, where were you? Where were you? Yeah. What were you saying? I forgot what you said. <laughs> um... um You've just come yeah. off race around the world. Yeah, I've just come off race across the world. Um, it was an amazing experience. I'm here just to talk about my team, Man United, and uh, I know nothing about Colombia. I just like this T-shirt. <laughs> it's a T-shirt you uh, wore throughout the entire show. Not that this show needs any promotion, by the way, but I actually thought lots of, like, I thought James watched the show. So when me and James spoke, I was like, oh, it's my being from the show. Apparently, James's mum watches the show. My mum watches the show. My neighbour watches the show. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. We won't tell you what happens. There's going to be no spoilers in this. Um, so, yeah, and if you've never heard of the show, uh, essentially, it's it's what every person would love to do, but only a very select amount of people get to do it. Uh, and on a shoestring budget and lots of things happen and if you waste your time watching love island anyway stop watch a real show yeah. uh that would be my advice james watches love island that's why i'm saying it <laughs> 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 
absolutely do not. I saw it was on it was on the fellas podcast um, that one of the guys from Love Island was speaking on. Um, but we're here to take over. We're not here to talk about the fellas podcast. We're here to talk about the no ratings podcast. Um, Good this promo. Is, this is a big thing. This is a big <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, Junior, your first time here as well. We've had multiple tech issues, but you are here. You're alive in the cut. How are you, bro? Uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, we won the title today, so there's that. Sorry, sorry. I'm doing fine. <laughs> He's won the title today. I'd hate to interrupt. Me, if, you asked, if you asked me, how am I doing when my teammates won the title? I wouldn't even answer you. I would be, I would be gone. I would be elsewhere. <laughs> But yeah, it's nice to be a City fan. Five five league titles in six years. It must be nice anyway. Junior's just amplifying all City fans in Manchester. It's been a bit quiet around here. I've not heard them anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> At least I was out on my bike cycling. I didn't see any City fans. Did you see the pit did you see the pitch invasion though? No, I missed it. I wasn't watching. There, there, was, there was just a little a little pitch invasion when even though the title was obviously settled before the game. So it wasn't wasn't really like limbs, you know, in the in the playoff finals when they're all running onto a pitch. It was more it was more a case of right, stewards, excuse me, can I just get on the pitch now? It was, yeah, it, it was don't a weird judge one. Way, I don't judge way other people show their passion, James. No, I understand. I understand you've won too many titles. You don't you don't care about it anymore. But some fans, we're, we we would die for a title right now. So, yeah. Look, you do you. I'm jealous. It's like it's become routine for the City fans. They're just used to it. This is another day in the office upset. for them. Yeah, exactly. They'd be upset if yeah. they didn't. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, listen, Junior, I'm happy for you, all right? I'm, I'm one of the non-haters out here. You you celebrate however you want. You <laughs> celebrate by coming on the pod later in the evening, and I can appreciate that. Um, some guys here, they haven't tasted success in a while, you know? Some of us have. Hey. <laughs> you, you can admit that also, but you wanted the Arsenal to win the league, Nubade. We've seen it. I, I did. I was on here chanting, Arsenal, Arsenal. <laughs> it didn't affect me at all. It didn't affect me at all. I mean... um, so... Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to come to title talk and top four talk, etc., etc. Uh, as always, with all guests, we ask you to deliver us a fun fact before we get into it. Mabin, I gave you time to think about yours. Junior, I didn't give you time to think about yours. So, Mabin, I'll come to you first. So bear in mind, you've just been on the show. The fun fact you sent me, the reason I said I hope you surprise me is because I hope you don't use that one. <laughs> Considering you've just been on a mad show, I feel like you're going to have something like out of this world to give to us. Uh, well, whilst I was out on the show, I guess... Um... I was tricked by the guys behind the camera crew that Man United had signed Danny Ings when I was out there, and I believed it for two weeks solid. I was absolutely wounded. Not no disrespect to Danny Ings, he's a class player, but I didn't expect United to be signing him. So I was happy when we got back that he wasn't part of our team. So I've got a mad story about Danny Ings, right? And I love the guy. Yeah, he's class. Um, he's a good guy. He's he's a top guy, yeah. top footballer. Uh, when we were doing FPLFY, which is a show that we did to do with FPL about three years ago, four years ago, I think, um, someone dared me to triple captain Danny Ings <laughs> like a couple of times during the season. I said, no, nah, no, nah, because at the start of the season, I said, he's my guy in another stellar season. It was the year I think he scored like 15 yeah, yeah. for Southampton, got like seven assists. He was cooking. Um, and then they had a shoot with Ings and I didn't get picked for the shoot. So I was raging anyway. Then I get a video before the show saying so within the show they were going this week there's going to be some massive things that happen cameras start rolling i opened this video that i've received and it's danny ing saying this week you got a triple captain me <laughs> so i went listen 
the deed has to be done. A triple captain in. That was the week Southampton lost 9 0 to Leicester. He got subbed <laughs> No. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good story, to be fair. Yeah. So, um, devastated. But lovely guy. He, he, did he apologize? I think he kind of said, like, oh, listen, like, you know, he's not going to be like, sorry for ruining the FPL. I know, yeah. He just lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like super respectful and lovely on Instagram and has been since. Uh, as always, we start with an icebreaker, and this week's is tasty and very simple. Um, what we normally do with the icebreakers for the new boys here is you guys just give us your thoughts, right? As and when, as and when you wish, shout over the top of each other, whatever you like. Um, Pep Guardiola or Sir Alex Ferguson? <sighs> Easy. Pep Guardiola. Nah, Saf. I was waiting. Ah, I was waiting. I was waiting. You're being sad. Obvious. Of course, it's um, Pep Guardiola. Obviously. Why? Come on now. Come on. I, do, I don't even. I don't even think I need to explain myself, Mabin. It, it speaks for itself. I've got one word: like, longevity. Like Pep, like Pep Talk to me when he has do, been doing it for the same amount of time as Saka. Long- that's it, done. Ah, listen, listen. Pep Guardiola conquered three, three different leagues. Also, also, so haven't there been three seasons where Guardiola has not won the title? One of them was his first season at City. One of them he got 90... Sorry, one of them he was beaten by Liverpool's 99 yeah. points? 97. 97. Nope. Sorry, you were, you were in a position where you should have easily broken 100 points, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, what, what, what position are you in? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't support him. Um, and one of them was Ma- Mourinho's... Did they go Centurion? Yeah, uh, they did. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, and also, interestingly, the season that Liverpool actually pipped City to the title, I know this is Fugazi stats, but City actually got more expected points than Liverpool. Liverpool were just going crazy. Every Liverpool had that weird aura about them. Shout out Tregista. They had every <laughs> shot was going in. They had there was Anfield was sucking the ball in every game. Um, things were just going that, that were their way that season. Um, but apart from that, Guardiola in his last like ten seasons, no one has beat them on expected points, which is just ridiculous. So I I get Sir Alex. Respect, I respect him, uh, but unfortunately, Guardiola is the goat because he's done it in different leagues consistently. And no one, no one has topped him. So Alex has done it in different leagues. Oh, I can't. Well, have, I'm really counting. I'm leaving. So Alex Ferguson beat Real Madrid with Aberdeen, and everyone forgets about that. So Alex Ferguson took over a Man United that wasn't firing. You know, with a top budget, doing well, and not only that, he turned out three different teams, and he beat Wenger, he beat that Jose Mourinho team, he did it over and over again. I'll accept Pep's better when he produces multiple teams in the same club and does it over a long period of time. I'm not, I'm not denying that this City team is phenomenal. Yeah, I was, I got a little secret. I was at the City ground against the Real Madrid game. And it was the best football I've seen in 30 minutes that first half. It was it was shocking. I was just sat there going, this is mental. Um, but like I said, it's time. Here's a question for you. Have you ever watched a United team 
it's really hard to try and take the United hat off. I hear, yeah, yeah, I yeah. hear the pain. But have you ever watched a United team that has executed what City did to Madrid in that 30 minutes you were sat there? No. And I, and I, and no, no, I can't say I have. So that, that, like for me, as a somewhat neutral in this, I love Pep Guardiola. Yeah. I obviously hate Sir Alex Ferguson. That's an absolute given. Uh, but I can appreciate how like great a manager he was. And I think I think the debate is a little bit one-sided now in terms of the neutral fans that say Pep Guardiola. Sir Alex Ferguson definitely churned out things out of players that he should have never churned it out of, essentially. Exactly. Um, and before Klopp came along, he was the original, what's the saying? Uh, water to wine or whatever it is. Um, that was Alex Ferguson's gig. That's what he did. However, I just like I haven't seen the Premier League dominated by a team like City to this extent, um, where teams that are that as close as Arsenal were to just shit themselves when they go up against them. No offense, to Arsenal. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, also, I, there is a, a thing in me that says, although uh, Fergie would chop and change players. Uh, Pep also does the same, but I actually agree with Junior that like I haven't seen like there there isn't many similarities between this City team and the first one he brought along, and even the one in between that went head to head against Liverpool. Like he's constantly tried to sort of like I won't say completely change, but what's the term? Evolve. Evolve, yeah, yeah, evolve. He's constantly tried to evolve the team and the style of play. I don't know, man. I personally would say Pep, but I don't think it's by the distance people are saying. No, no. Also, but... United played with 12 men. Fergie, Fergie, Fergie oh, invited I... the ref into, the, in, into his little um, little office after the game and gave him a little red wine. So oh, that's, that's not how, how right. Pep back in those days, like the biggest op ever, Howard Webb. We've seen we've seen the videos of Mike Riley refing the Arsenal United game. The one game, and Mobin, you will remember this game. I don't remember it at the time, but I've seen videos back. I think I know the exact game you're going to. Invincibles. You will. There's, a, there's, a, there's an eight minute. There's an eight minute <laughs> compilation on Twitter. The the game that Arsenal lost the Invincibles. Yeah, Rooney's penalty. Fiftieth game. United kicked the shit out of us. Should have had multiple red cards. But Mike Riley, he was happy with it. And if you watch it back, you will cringe. It's a horrible game to watch because United former United players have spoken and said, yeah, we came in with the game plan that we were just going to kick him off the park. Reyes was just booted around. It was horrible. Yeah, he was. And, and the United players were happy to do this. And we got absolutely no protection because for whatever reason. But um, So, yeah, United had help. That's that's, I'll leave it that. that's that's Fergie's legacy, man. That's Fergie's legacy. But then, all, that's although just disrespect, if, man. Come on. If, if I if I was to defend Fergie in a way, like <laughs> I do actually agree, there is a theory out there to say that he was besties with a lot of people and he would get favors. But that at that time, that's how the game was. But then on the flip side, you could say, well, Pep Guardiola has infinite amounts of money. Yeah, that's probably like that would probably even the debate up in a way. If one I mean, man's got the refs in his pocket, if the other guy's got the bank in his pocket. Yeah, but, I mean, but also, Fergie was spending as well, right? Yeah, don't underestimate that, Fergie. Fergie, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I've, I've been debating thing. this week, saying that actually people are acting like United were skint. They were never skint, and they always had money. However, what I would say is, uh, Fergie was still dealing with, and I don't want to mention names in case they ever come on the podcast, but 
a lot of a lot of players that would never make City's bench or the B team's bench or even the under 23s bench. You are right, you are right. But again, I just wanted to dispel this myth that Fergie didn't have a big budget because players like Juan Sebastian Veron. I don't know what what year was he signed in? 2002. So that, it was a season oh, before oh. Mourinho took over. 2004, yeah. I think. Was it? But that was what? That was 40 mil, wasn't it? It was 28 oh, mil for oh, him and Rio Ferdinand was a 40 million cent back in 2002. Yeah. Fergie had bank. There's no doubt, no denying that Fergie had bank, but um, yeah. Uh, also, sorry, Mabina. I was just going to say, at least that bank was within, or let's say within financial fair play, within the, the allowance of the United's commercial revenue unlike the financial doping that happens at some other institutions. <laughs> I I think both are like unbelievable. We'll let the people decide. That's the purpose of an icebreaker. Um, but there are some caveats to both their legacies. Uh, the Fergie referee thing, I honestly think in about 10 years time, one referee is going to come out and go, yeah, he was slipping me a fiver here and there. No, it's not. Know? It wasn't that. I, I, I'm convinced it's no, nothing to do with genuine corruption. I think it is just if a guy's dapping you up and being all like, you have a little tendency to go towards them, of course. I mean, actually, it's funny yeah. you say that. I remember, uh, I can't remember which referee it was, but he was speaking about Fernandinho and why he didn't give him yellows. And he was saying that after the game, he'd go and, like, Fernandinho had, like, a couple of really cute kids. He'd go and meet the referee after and the the kids would take pictures with the referee and they'd chill with the referee's kids. So, like, like imagine, like, that's like your best mate being in the same team as you and you being the ref and, like, going, ah, oh, oh, I didn't quite see that one. I didn't I, see that leg breaker. I don't think it's an intentional, the ref's going, like, oh, I don't want to give them that decision. But it's natural. If you are if you think, like, oh, someone's a nicer guy, oh, he's a malicious guy, you're naturally going to ref in a certain way. So I think, I think it comes down a little bit to that. And funnily enough, speaking of Liverpool, um, you know the guy who refed the Liverpool game? I didn't watch it at all, but apparently it was terribly refed, the Liverpool-Villa game. Um, he was the same ref that Klopp screamed in his ear um, yeah, a few months ago. So again, it's these little things where, these like cognitive biases where, all right, if Klopp screamed in his ear, he's not going to want to give Klopp, if it's a 50-50 decision, he's going to say, fuck Klopp, I don't want to give him the decision. So these these tiny details matter, I think. That's why being seen as a nice club and being seen as a not nice club does make a difference. That's why Burnley, I think Burnley weren't given a red card for like three years because it was, oh, Burnley, uh, they're a dirty club, but they're not they're not malicious. They're just oh, they're just late in the challenges. They're just being a bit careless, as opposed to that's other clubs. Crazy, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. They were horrible. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right. Well, uh, moving swiftly on from that, from the psychologist, that was James's. If you didn't know, like, if you listen to the pod many times, you know it says it in his bio as well. He's studying psychology, and it, it, I, I could say to James, I don't fancy take my bin out tonight. Well, oh, I think there's something to talk about there. I think there's a there's a feeling in the mind that's stopping you from getting. It. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of football psychology, to be fair, and, and I do enjoy football psychology chats. Uh, but anyway, let's get into the weekend's football. I did say we're going to get into the weekend's football. I kind of lied, but you're probably used to that now. Um, this debate popped up during the week, and I actually just wanted to talk about it because I think it's much more interesting than what people think. Who's 
Premier League career has been better, Harry Kane's or Jamie Vardy's? Now, think it through because I know immediately everyone's going, yeah, but Kane's a brilliant player, etc., etc. He's better. He's a better footballer than uh, uh, Vardy. But Vardy's won the Premier League. He saved Leicester from relegation once. He could be about to do it again, potentially, under Dean Smith, although I think that's getting increasingly unlikely. Um, And throughout his entire period at Leicester, apart from maybe the last season and a half, he has been the main man. Um, James is ready to go because he clearly wants any slander towards any Tottenham no, players. You're like, wrong. Let's go. You're actually wrong. I'm desperate oh. to defend Hurricane. I also hate these arguments. I hate like you know the semantics about art oh, is is player X world class because it's like well, it depends on what your definition of world class is. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to back Kane here, honestly. Because I also don't really like Vardy, but I can't because if we're talking specifically about a Premier League career, then Vardy has had a better Premier League career because he has won the Premier League. He has kept Leicester up. Again, he's won the FA Cup, not that that directly relates to the Premier League. But if we're talking about Premier League career and not individual honours, Kane has won golden boots, but we're talking about Premier League career here, I think I think is Vardy. Um I, I don't know. I'm I'm happy to be argued against, but that but that's my answer. Uh, yeah, I agree. Honestly, I think for me the question comes down to, as football fans, as footballers, what is it that you're playing football for? Is it titles or those individual honours? It's the same argument. Who's had the better season, United or Arsenal? End of the day, if you're walking home or taking a cup home, that team or that player has done his job and done what he's meant to do. So for me, it's got to be Vardy in terms of the Vardy-Kane argument. But Kane can change that as soon as he goes to a team where he lifts up a cup and multiple occasions. And do you think that's the difference? Yeah. If Kane goes to wherever and wins the title next season, Kane's legacy is automatically yeah. ahead of I, I would say so. I would 100%. say so, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Because yeah. that's got... is that not the main differentiating factor between Kane and Vardy is that Vardy's won a Premier League. If Kane went to... Un- United and uh, won a Premier League with United because he's taken them from being an average team to a title winning side. Um, surely, yeah, surely. What what does Vardy have over? Only the fact that he's kept Leicester from relegation and I guess the the consecutive goal scoring record. But no, overall, considering Kane. But then, would I imagine uh, someone who's backing Vardy and I back neither in this debate. To be fair, um, if if someone was backing Vardy in this debate, they'd go, yeah, but he's taken Leicester. Uh, to a Premier League title. Aside that, like I don't think if I gave you that, if I gave you the next fifty years to predict a team to win the title, that wasn't Man U, Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, or Arsenal. You still wouldn't land that Leicester for five guesses. It's not Vardy. It's not. Vardy. It was Kante. I think. I honestly think Kante. Would... That, that's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> that's an unpopular opinion. No, Kante was cast that year, man. Him, Mares, Vardy. I... And, wow. Okay, I'll be interested to hear what the, the public opinion is on this because Kante took Leicester to the Premier League. Did he get Premier League Player of the Season? He definitely got some accolades. Yeah, he did actually. And then went to Chelsea and won Chelsea the yeah. Premier League, and then won them the Champions League a few seasons after. And you're telling me that it was Vardy the whole time. And the World Cup. Wasn't the Player of the Season? And the World Cup. That, it was either Mares or Kante. I think it was Mares and Kante when Kante went to Chelsea. Yeah, Mares won yes. when he went to Chelsea. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So I would say then, 
uh, this is on a more technical level, but I don't disagree that Kante was unreal and impossible to replace and so on and so forth. But the way Leicester played that season, there is only one striker that I've seen in Premier League history that was as clinical as Vardy was that year for the way they played. Because they would sit back in, they'd essentially sit back with seven or eight men behind the ball, pick it up and literally just hit the channels. And he was picking up balls in channels and running them essentially on his own into the box and smashing them in near post through the keeper's legs and so on and so forth. I don't think, I can't think of a striker that I'd go, yeah, take him out of, take Vardy out and put this guy in. I don't, I just don't think it's that easy because of how conditioned they were to play to his strengths and only his. I agree, but also I think if you take, if you put, um, I, I don't know. You can see he made Danny Drinkwater look like a 30, 40 million midfielder. <laughs> um, if you put even just an average midfielder in, in Kante's place there, I th- I don't think they'd be anywhere. I think they'd have just been a top four team. Um, I, 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 I just think Kante will forever be underrated. He will never get spoken in the same vein as your Vieiras, your Keynes, your... It, I mean, Jared and Lampard, understandably so. He never had the longevity. But even still, I think... He, he has a right almost to be in those debates, but I understand why he never will be. But yeah, I think I think Kante was a reason. But I also I think we have to cons- uh, realize as well. Vardy stayed at Leicester after that title, whereas Kante Mares went. I I'd, I'd always I've always wondered what it would have been like if he'd gone to your Arsenal's or your Uniteds. I wonder if Vardy would have gone up another level or two and won some more titles. Would this conversation be different? I think yeah. it'd be different. Personally. Yeah, I honestly think it'd be different. I thought that. Always. Yeah, at his peak, he was like actually was unbelievable. Lethal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a killer, and yeah. at that time, there was a lot of teams. I think didn't Arsenal have Lacazette at that time? Why? Well, so like, what I meant, what I meant is like, there was a lot of teams trying to push top four, top five, potentially push a title at some point or whatever, and a lot of them had strikers that weren't clinical. Lacazette being one of those. The way I said that sounded yeah. like I was going. Lacazette, who's he? <laughs> By the way, on Lacazette, obviously last season he scored four goals all season, two non-penalty goals, and now he's scored more than, or the, I think the same as Mbappe now in the league. Which is, it's very Lacazette, that is. But we'll leave, we'll leave French League tax, though. He's one of these guys that I think when he's in an environment he likes, he's cooking, and when he's not. Like, where him and Aubameyang almost had you lot confused that they were actually good for the club. I don't. I actually like him as a footballer. I think he's got everything in the locker to be a like a, an amazing striker. But then he lets himself down because every other week he just doesn't turn up, and you're kind of like, "Well, what am I getting from this guy?" It reminds me a lot of a certain number nine at Manchester United, Anthony Martial. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking, mate. Oh no, I will say, don't disrespect Lacazette like that because Lacazette <laughs> has produced goods more than more than Martial has. Um, when you, I agree with Junior, when in that eighteen nineteen season, Lacazette was decent, and also he de- he never took penalties. Aubameyang was a penalty taker. Had he, and I keep bringing this up, had Lacazette taken penalties and or Aubameyang not, Lacazette would have got eighteen nineteen goals that season, and Aubameyang who got golden boot would have got less than him. So I know it. People say our oh, non penalty goals is nonsense, but it does it does make quite a big difference if you if you swing it. And I said it as well recently. Had Umbermo took penalties instead of Tony mm. and scored five out, five out of six penalties, he'd have scored more goals in the league than Tony, which is a crazy thought to think about. But the, I think I also then 
counter that and go, I think penalties are like one of the most disrespected things in football. People just assume that could this guy take pens? You don't know. Like Fernando Torres, when he's at Liverpool, for example, would never touch a pen. I think he's taken like eight in his career and he's missed like five. Wow. So, sure, but but even if even if Mbomo scored half of his penalties, he'd still be on fourteen goals and Tony would be on fifteen. So you know what I mean? It's like I, I do get. I'm not. I'm not saying penalties are a given, but I'm saying if a player scored at seventy or eighty percent of the penalties, that. I guess their report people what the way people see them would be very different to the way people see them now. And Lacazette was never that guy for us until last season, where he took penalties and still only scored four. So can we move on the conversation, please? That's <laughs> <laughs> very nice. We can't go any further in the pod without without talking about the biggest story this weekend, which is not the fact that a blue team has won the Premier League for the fifth time in six. It's actually the fact that Arsenal are being described as the biggest bottle jobs in Premier League history. Before we delve into this, I, I want to just give you a few stats and facts. And if you've been listening to this pod, which I assume you have been, you know I'm not here to bash Arsenal. But there are some very scary stats there. Percentage of seasons spent in first place without winning the Premier League, Arsenal are first with 93%. Arsenal also second and third. Then it's Liverpool with 51%. That's the first one. Most days spent at the top of the Premier League table without winning the title, Arsenal are first. 248 days. Closest to them, Newcastle 95-96 with 212. And then this one, this is the one that just tipped me over the edge. Arsenal Forest, Arsenal lost 1-0. Arsenal Brighton, Arsenal lost 3-0. Then they beat Newcastle Chelsea in between, obviously not in that order. Lost to City 4-1. Drew 3-3 with Southampton. Southampton have collected one point in the last 27. They've scored three twice this season against Arsenal and Spurs. They drew 2-2 against West Ham and 2-2 against Liverpool. That's Arsenal's last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. They won two. Now, I'm not here to say that Arsenal bottled the league, but winning two of your last eight with all those things considered, I will let you guys decide, did Arsenal bottle the league? So we have to give it to James to explain. Go on, James. But you can put in your defence first. Are we done? Are we done? <laughs> because because I don't want to listen to this anymore. Um, we did bottle it, but it's not the world's biggest bottle like some people are trying to paint out. Um, I will say, a team that doesn't get the um, credit they deserve for being bottlers, for use of a better word, is the United side. <sighs> that, um no, you know, I don't, hey, don't give me that because the United <laughs> side, they got pipped by City on the final day. I believe you were five points with three or four games to go ahead. No, no, like, maybe like eight points. Something like that. Six games left to go. We, six, Jesus. This is what I'm saying. So, we, yes, no doubt we have bottled it. But also, if you're going to cite losses against Forest, losses against Brighton. It was done by then. Everyone knew it was done by then. We we dropped points to Liverpool. We dropped points to West Ham. We dropped points to um, Southampton. But what you've got to remember is City won, have won 12 games in a row. You can't. Dropping points to Anfield isn't bottling. That shouldn't even be considered even a bad result. But when you're up against the City team that are winning 15 games in a row, you can't afford to drop any points. So I guess you could say dropping points to West Ham and dropping points to Southampton is bottling and then losing against City at the Etihad. But again, I think this is City's 
arguably their greatest ever team right now, not over the season, but this past six months, I believe is City's greatest ever team. And I think it's hard to argue against considering they're going to do the treble um, and the three-peat. Um, but no, I think I think this Arsenal team have bottled it, but it's gone way overboard because now that the title is done, we've just absolutely capitulated and um, we're up against, as I say, the greatest Premier League of all time. So it's it's a bottle, but is it the biggest bottle of all time? No. I can't believe you've compared it to a season where we were still in it and we'd won it for a few minutes on the last day of the season. <laughs> That's not the biggest ball job ever. That went down to the wire, literally you went down to the then. wire. You bottled, you bottled it before then that season. Yeah, we bottled it, but it's not as bad as this one. This is atrocious. <laughs> I'm going, I'm leaving. <laughs> Mate, like... I'm saying this. I wanted Arsenal to win this, even more so that this bloody treble is on. Like, I'm actually with you on this, but they've absolutely thrown it away. That West Ham game, it started off when Xhaka uh, at Anfield just went a bit hot. He got the Anfield crowd going, and that was it. From then on, it's just been it's just been downhill. Uh, I was ready to fight your corner there, but then you mentioned Xhaka, and the rule number one on this pod is you don't throw Xhaka under the bus. James has come with a prop. He's got a jacket shirt. How have this guy has gone from the most hated player in Arsenal to the most loved? It's like the biggest turnaround in history. I never hated him. I know he was a misunderstood. He's a misunderstood character. I don't. I don't know to be honest. I think they're both as bad as each other. Um, the only context I give to this is Manu that season should have won the league. Arsenal this season should have never even been in the race. I, like I've said all season long that it was inevitable that Arsenal would fall off. Even though I think they were always going at breakneck speed and at some point the car was going to crash and City were going to pounce. Um, and so therefore, I will say the United was probably ever so slightly worse. With context. With context. Um, all right. Here's a, here's another Manchester related topic that I don't think you're gonna love so much, Mobina. I apologise it's your debut. <laughs> I know. I feel like I was getting slated. <laughs> I had to defend I had to defend Alex Ferguson. I've got to defend the bloody <laughs> bottle job. What's going on? Um what next? <laughs> someone tweeted earlier that cast your minds back to when City first came on the scene. City fans won't like to hear that, but you know what I mean. When Tevez went from United to City and the blue moon was mm. rising, that big Tevez poster was on the, I think the 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 motorway in Manchester, Mabin, you'll know better yeah, than me. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing about blue moon is rising, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is Manchester finally blue? In the current no. state of where current state of play, is Manchester right now blue? No, I, and I'll give you an example. Right, Champions League group stage midweek games. Right, you can find tickets to City games on uni, uni days, he's student right, beans, he's right, he's right. for 15 quid, right? Try and get a United ticket to Europa League on a Thursday, and you ain't getting one, right? Simple. <laughs> Done. No, but say what you uh, want about ticket prices, etc., etc. People who were born in, like, 2001, like me, for example, they've seen, they've seen City be better, better, more than United. Like, they've grown up with City as the dominant team and not United. And I think that counts for something, right? Can I say, I have 
no reason to back United here. I despise Manchester United. <laughs> and I still think that Manchester is red. It's just... And I also think... I think London is red as well, obviously. But it's just the team that... When you think about that city, who are the dominant team, who is still the biggest team in that city, and it is Man United. City can win stuff in the 21st century, but Manchester United are still the team in Manchester. They're still the serious team. They're still the big team. They've still got the brand. Man City can keep trying to build their brand, but to me, it's so difficult for that to be overturned. The same way, whereas Chelsea will have won two Champions League now, it still will take a long time to convince me that London is blue just because Arsenal have the heritage, the history, Arsenal the culture. Arsenal have always been the team in London. And the same way Merseyside is red as well. Obviously, that's not even a debate. But anyway, they're all red. But I mean, to be fair, when teams come to Manchester, they don't fear United anymore. They fear City. Like The team of the talk right now is Manchester City, not Manchester United. But that's just because you're a good team. That's not because you, you've you got the heritage, the history. As I say, maybe I value tradition and history too much. But um, I, I struggle to get past that. City are a good team, but it's not... If, like, if you look at the building on top, it's incredible. But the foundations underneath are built from plastic rather than these teams with history where it's like the whole building is incredible. Um, I don't want to flirt with United too much. They're horrible to me. It's just like Mourinho said, football heritage. <laughs> I said, football heritage. That's what James is talking about. I, I have a few questions, actually. Firstly, aside from United and City, how old are you, Mabin? 32. Why are you on uni days and student beans? You fraud. This <laughs> <laughs> is not good. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm like unbothered. I think on, on the pitch right now, City are by far the best team in the world. But United sell tickets; they've got the history for years and years. I think this conversation will be interesting in ten years' time because if City stay yeah. this dominant and City win another five Premier Leagues over the next ten years, then there is without question kids who are born in 2001 and beyond and by then will be in 2028 so kids could be 28 years old um there's gonna they're gonna have a pretty big fan base and also now when city go abroad their fan base is going abroad with them um i think it's those little things that are missing like with the videos that was going around outside the stadium you know when they won the league there's like eight kids there and their dads like <laughs> it wasn't a good look you know <laughs> um but there's a, they've got some way to go. They've got some way. To, like, I, I know if Arsenal won the league this season, boy, like you would not be able to get into London, let alone just North London. In fact, actually, James, I just remembered something. <laughs> Earlier this season, we were on the pod and we were talking about, I was saying the standard of the league is poor this year. And I think you were one of the first people to go. Were you, were you one of the, like, just clarify with me. I could have got the wrong person. But weren't you going, no, the standard of this league is absolutely class. Well, I will say, I don't remember if it was me, but considering Arsenal were top of the league at that point, well, there it, you is, go. it is quite possible that I was the one <laughs> defending the quality of the league. Um, one thing I will say about myself is, I think it was on the same pod, I said that Leicester would get relegated and a lot of people turned around and said, nah, nah, Leicester are way too good. Nah, Madison, Vardy, they won't get relegated. 
and um, that seems to have turned out okay. But yeah, um, the qu- the quality We're here again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, in ter- in terms of the quality of the league, um, yeah, oh, I, I concede. Uh, is is weak it is weaker than weaker than it has been. I love it's it. just the, we're going to come to this actually. We'll come. We'll swing back around to this point. I just wanted to prove a point. You know me. I just want to say I told you so. Um, I've had my told you so. Uh, we'll do a bit of this or that, which normally is two scenarios we give you or a sort of subject that we give you, and you guys give us your thoughts. Um, this one is personal to me, which is why I want to ask it. Where does Firmino rank in greatest Premier League number nine? Specifically, the number nine, not players who played up front. James, chill, man. He ripped Arsenal to shreds. 11-18 and 18 against Arsenal. Slow yourself down. Um, <laughs> think about nines. There's a lot of very good nines, but like my thing with Firmino is I think he's very underrated, but then equally there's a section of fans who really overrate him. He's trying to find a home for him. Where does he live? I saw that video, I think it was today. I, I don't know if it came off a Liverpool account where they were comparing him to Robbie Fowler, R9, RF9. Mm. And they, they tried to match some clips of how he scored goals. I don't know. Like, as a United fan, yeah, he's good. He's always been there and he's always uh, been a bit of a pain in the backside. But he's not been, like, amazing, amazing. Like, he's just a good number nine, solid, reliable, always there. He's so much. Compare The question is. Is he better than Suarez, your Torres, your United number nine, uh, or strikers? Of you know, your Dennis Bergkamp's Henri's. You know, that, that's the question. Those are like the absolute elite level. I think Fabinho is definitely disrespected in the sense that people go, he was just good. Like Salah and Mane don't do what they do without Fabinho. Fabinho is basically Klopp's entire system. The reason it's fallen apart is because Fabinho isn't there anymore which is why they've tried to bring in Gakpo and, he, and try and go on. You know, a fun fact this season, even though like he's not been not been a part of the system, he's still scored, I think it was 10 goals this season. Yes. And he's got a minutes per goal only behind Callum Wilson and Haaland this season. He's got better minutes per goal than Kane. And I understand if it was only like three or four goals, you'd be like, yeah, but it's only sub appearances. 10 goals this season with a better minutes per goal than Kane. It's like, okay, so... Even though he's not really been involved this season, he has been impressive still. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good with shirt numbers, to be fair. It's one of those things. Some people are obsessed with shirt numbers. They're incredible at like saying, oh, number nine, you've got Rooney, Kane, etc. I'm not very good with shirt numbers. I would say, um, let well, he's like an 87 rated on FIFA. That's your bag, isn't it, Rambo? Yeah, that is. <laughs> what would you say, Nabi? That's your question. Like, <laughs> what way? Um, I like how this is deflected to me. Um, yeah, you're the Liverpool fan. <laughs> um, he's not. He's he's not Kane, Henri, Rooney. He's he level below. Than Vardy. He's better than Vardy. Yeah, that's the question. I would put him on the same tier. Personally, I would put him on the same tier. Go on, Nubed. Uh that's interesting. I would have him above Vardy. I think, like in my opinion, I think he's far more multifaceted. Um. And also would work in various different systems and various different teams. And also, when you watch the guy closely, for that, there was a, maybe like a four, possibly five-year period where he was basically untouchable. Like, there wasn't another like him. You couldn't have taken him out mm. and put someone in. Whereas, And I say that for Vardy and the way Leicester played, yes. 
like there wasn't another like Vardy, but if you move Vardy to Tottenham or to Arsenal and so on and so forth, there were alternatives and there still are alternatives. Um, so I would personally have Firmino in the bracket above Vardy. So who's got a bigger Premier League legacy, Kane or Firmino? Yeah, yeah wow. Tying it in from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he shot we were, himself in the foot here. It's but, be, yeah, we were it's saying trophies, Firmino, right? And Firmino's won yeah, trophies. Probably Firmino, Firmino. All day long. I yeah. think Kane. I think Kane has got a. Wait, better... wait, you, wait, how does that work? You were saying Vardy's. That just doesn't make sense, James. <laughs> no, because <laughs> you contradicted yourself. The eye test. <laughs> Fuck the stats. It's the eye test. <laughs> no, um, right, base. <laughs> Firmino, Vardy did other stuff. Vardy kept him up, and I guess I'm putting way too much weight on Vardy doing the. What eleven consecutive goals breaking that record? Yeah, yeah. Was Firmino was and again Vardy was a big protagonist in the Premier League trophy for Leicester. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, whereas Firmino, he was probably what Liverpool's sixth most important player. Where would you put him as Liverpool's most important? So I would disagree. Actually, I think like what we've seen in the last twelve to eighteen months is because of his de- his physical decline. And, and I think I think when other players and Klopp also say that he is and was the system. That probably speaks volumes for how important he was to the team. Salah and Van Dijk, Allison, or Firmino. I would actually go Allison, Van Dijk, uh, Salah, Firmino, and I okay. think Firmino and Salah's quite close, you know. And you know how much I love Salah, but I don't think you could have replaced what Firmino did, and we're struggling to do that now. And still had the same amount of success. And who did you who did you put ahead, Vardy or Firmino? Firmino. But you said Vardy was Leicester's most important player when they won the title. Yeah, but then you you countered that by saying trophies, and Firmino's won as many trophies as Vardy has in the Premier League, and also outside the Premier League. We're just talking about the Premier League here. <laughs> uh, that's how he's reeling it back in. <laughs> I, I I'm of the opinion that I think. Firmino could have played for many of the best teams that have played in the Premier League, and Vardy could have played for a select few. No, I agree. I okay, I yeah, agree yeah, with I that. Totally but agree. that's a slightly different point. But it's difficult to decide where exactly Firmino is. I'm not saying like is he in the top ten because there's so many great strikers, but he's definitely the bracket above Vardy. And then legacy and all oh, that's different. What was? Yeah. I know this is horribly misleading because it doesn't come down to this but what was Firmino's highest Premier League scoring season? Well, you can't say it was horribly misleading and then go what was it? Because <laughs> he, he no, doesn't because... score goals that's not his, what he was known for he scored 15 in 2017 18 7 assists and then after that it was 12, that, 12 they're, Lacazette, they're Lacazette numbers yeah so... but <laughs> bear in mind we're comparing a goal scorer and a facilitator Vardy's best ever season was 30 goal contributions. Firmino's best ever season was 22 goal contributions. There's only, they're only eight goals apart, and Vardy's like, main asset is two score goals. But you hold on, hold on. You've just said two score goals and then included goals and assists. You, yeah, you no, mean... but, no, no. So, but like, his, his primary asset is to be the person who provides goals to the team, right? Yeah, so let's look at goals. Or are we yeah, talking but then, about? But then it's comparing chalk and cheese. Like you cannot compare two people like that. It's like comparing, I don't know. It's like comparing um, Saka to Salah. 
Saka's 21. Leave him be. Um, <laughs> I have one more question before we finish this argument. Um, what do you think of Jao Felix? How does that relate to Firmino? I'm just interested about how the, your view on your view on the beautiful game. Jao Felix is great to watch, but his final product and final decision making is horrific. Okay, thank you. You just, There's yeah. no discussion here. I just I just needed to know that piece of information for you. Right. Um, <laughs> on to the next one. Uh, best three midfielders in the world right now. De Bruyne's got Two of them play for Man City. Yeah, De Bruyne. Who's who? Rodri. Rodri. Rodri, most underrated player in the world, I think. Casemiro. <sighs> Get out of here. <laughs> he has been one of the best underrated, but yeah. This is so hard on the bit. spot. Um, mm. I have this terribly irrational thing of wanting to say Declan Rice, but it's very, very premature to say that. Oh, that's a terrible uh, shot. <laughs> sure. But you'd say Jude Bellingham, right? No. You'd, but is he anywhere near that conversation? No, he isn't. Okay, who is then, Nubed? Uh, this ain't about me. I'm the host. You lot. <laughs> <laughs> you knew this question was coming. Some of us didn't. All right. Let me, let me let me just reel off some names of the best midfielders right now, according to Google. And that might help you out to give you a bit of a, a, a helping hand to think. Uh, De Bruyne, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, Frankie Dion, Joshua Kimmich, Ferrati, Kante, Pogba, Rodri, Bellingham, Gundogan, Pedri, Casemiro, Barella, Thiago Alcantara, Leon Goretzka, Martin Erdegaard, Bruno Fernandes, Sergio Busquets, Bernardo Silva, not really a central midfielder. But let me let me be honest. Rice is better than a lot of those players. Rice is I'm I'm not just saying that. You will see next season when he's put in a serious team. Rice is better than a lot of those players. And Jude Bellingham was included. And if you put them both in the same England team, Rice looks better. So I'm gonna put my hat in there with and I know this is I somewhat respect it. I somewhat respect it. Man, the amount of games he plays when he's not in the United team, they are just not there. You're like this guy is so well underrated to non-United fans. No, I, I you guys clearly don't want United enough to appreciate him. I, I respect the opinion. I don't think I agree, but I respect the opinion. And Bruno has people I guess some people see Bruno as being a lot worse nowadays when he's changed his role a lot he's more of a facilitator than just a goals and assists output merchant um I don't think he's there but I I definitely put him in top 10 and I think this season he's he's gone underrated a lot because the numbers have dried up a bit and the only thing the other thing is he's played in multiple positions he's played in the deep line position he's played in the number 10 he's played out on the right and in every position he does a job, and in fact, he makes United tick without him. There's nothing in the midfield, or there's no energy in that part where they need him. I tell you, while, while we're here, Mobin, I just want the yeah. only thing I'll ni- say nice about United: Luke Shaw, tremendous footballer. Um, Mate, he's a, yeah, I'd say he's our player of the season. I think so. I think wait, so. After, wait, hold on. After you just put so Bruno good. Fernandes in your top three midfielders right now? Yeah, Luke Shaw's not a midfielder. <laughs> probably could do a good job. Yeah, I don't think you're far off. Luke Shaw is probably the best left back in the world, but that, I think there's a, a real uh, lack of good left backs. Um, sure, Berto Carlos, he was once called. I, I would like to clarify, Mabin. Yeah, 
Yeah. Who are your top three midfielders in the world right now? <laughs> sure. It's hard for me, man. It's two of them are definitely at City. I have to agree. Talking about best midfielders, I think I saw one of the best in our time leave the pitch on uh, Wednesday for Real Madrid. Modric. I thought. I think that felt like an end of an era uh, type substitution and. And I was like, when it happened, I was like, whoa, why is that happening? That's a weird substitution. And then actually, when he came off and they put Camavinga in the middle, Real Madrid actually started playing football. Mm. And I was watching him in the first half. He just didn't have that energy to legs. get back. And legs had gone. Mm. And it was actually kind of sad. And I was like, oh, man, Cruz, Modric, we're not going to see that again. We're not going to see that outside of the boot pass onto Benzema again often. Um, yeah. You know, Anyways, you know who we've not mentioned as well? Who... <laughs> I guess has a shout. I hate to say it because Umer would be licking his lips at this. So uh, am I. Gundogan. Yes, sir. Oh, on yeah, the sheet yeah. here. I was waiting for him to say that. <laughs> on the sheet here, I've got written down best three midfielders in the world and specifically in brackets, where does Gundogan rank? Because I think he is the most underrated footballer in the world. That goal against Everton. I was watching that. I was watching that in the pub before I went to the Arsenal-Brighton game. Let's forget about that game. But <laughs> I was watching it in the pub and just seeing him do that, it is just, it's just the realisation that we've got such a long way to go because these players are unbelievable. You like know, none of our... You know that meme? Get in there and make it about you. Just did that. <laughs> You're talking about that. Where's where's where are all the Partey lovers gone? Apparently, he was the best once once upon a time. Well, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. So direct direct your feedback elsewhere because I was I was not one of those people. Don't worry about that. Um, are you putting Rice in your top three midfielders in the world right now? I don't know. You didn't give me time to think about right, have it. Have a think. Have a think. Are you saying right now you're talking about current form, right? Yeah, He's I'm talking about the, the last... For this, yeah, this, this, season. this season. Let's say this season. The thing with Gundogan, right, is that he did. He wasn't there before World Cup and after it. He's just come on in after Jan-Feb time and he's been class. So I think my theory on this, we speak about this a lot on the pod, is I don't think there's very many players anymore, and we've been desensitised to it because of Messi and Ronaldo, that actually for 12 months or nine months of the season long are actually consistent. I, th yeah, I think actually consistency is like six months because it's really yeah. difficult for... Saka's another example of someone who for six months was unbelievable, and then for, for the last couple of months he has physically struggled, but it's only yeah. normal. Rashford was unbelievable for four months, yeah. then not. Salah's been unbelievable for four months. He wasn't yeah. before... The only players that tend to keep the level up is keep goalkeepers, generally speaking. Um, yeah. And so I I would counter the Gundogan argument and say he's been at his best since the World Cup, like Rashford. Also, well, this Rashford, is... Rashford, yeah, true. I was going to say, this is a luxury about what City have at the moment, is they can ride the wave of yeah. these incredible peaks of form. So Gundogan comes in, okay, fine. Grealish has a peak of form. If not... They stick Foden left wing. They stick Mahrez right wing. They have the moving parts where they wouldn't have to rely on Saka for a full season. If Saka started performing badly, they'd just take him out and put in Foden into the limelight or Gundogan or Bernardo Silva. Whereas Arsenal, yeah. we have to rely on the same players. So when Saka has a bad patch of form, we, we suffer for, because of it, because we have no one else who can go in his place. I, I also think Arteta is not the best person at rotating at the moment. 
I know it is because we don't have the best depth in the world, but the way Saka's played the last 79 Premier League games, uh, which is quite a damning start. Talking about uh, a player you mentioned, Bernardo Silva, is he not in the conversation? Hmm. <laughs> uh, it's tough. I think he is. But because on on Wednesday again, I keep going back to this game that I was at, which uh, you know I don't know how I feel about it. Still, he was class. Football mm. is football, isn't it? Like he's one of those guys, like Thomas Muller, like one of these guys that you just trust, and he gets the job done. Um, very quickly before I let you go, I actually do want to know where Gundogan would rank in your best midfielders in the world right now. Um, I personally do have him at number three. Uh, I have De Bruyne, Rodri and Gunnar as my top three. Um, you're hard to argue against it, to be honest. It's so, sad because you know, you're a not few months Bruno ago, Fernandes anymore. F- <laughs> no, I, I, I just said I'm putting his name in there, but end of the day, let's, 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 talk, let's revisit it after the FA Cup final. <laughs> a few months ago, I'd have, I'd have, put, I'd have shouted Erdegaard for this. Um, but just in the big games this season, when it's when it's really mattered in the crunch time, there is part of it is because he has to drop deep to help out the defence and build up. But also, I'd like to see more of him in the big games. De Bruyne twice this season turned up when it mattered, and Erdegaard just looked like a sheep in the headlights. So yeah, uh, or I rabbit in the headlights. I think with insane. Erdegaard in general, like I think with him, he thrives against deep blocks, but doesn't necessarily thrive when the game is more chaotic. If that makes sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. and I think as I say I think some of it does come down to in the games where against the deep block he's there in the final third but in games where we need him to drop deeper in build up we rely on him a little bit more especially when we got players like I'm not going to do this again because we've already had a Rob Holding podcast but when we got <laughs> Rob of Rob Holding in defence <laughs> Odegaard needs to drop really deep to pick up the ball and help the build up um, when Saliba's in the team, White's in the team. When we've got our full team, he's a bit more impactful in the final third. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with the City midfield three, which is a horrible thing to admit. So you're also putting Gundogan third? No, I don't know who the third player is, but Rodri and Gundogan first. Uh, sorry, Rodri and De Bruyne top two. So I just want Gundogan prop for multiple reasons. He's really good looking. He's a phenomenal footballer. He's so all rounded. And as you all know, he's Muslim as well, which immediately puts him in the top. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew that was coming. And James approves as well, you know? As you've heard, James has had his call to prayer <laughs> twice in this pod already. <laughs> um, right. Uh, that is all we have time for. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, as usual, make sure you drop a like, subscribe, and check the guys out as well. All the links are in the description. Uh, do let me know how the debutants got on because. Uh, that will determine whether they come back or not. And James is this exec producer that he kind of is and isn't. Um, <laughs> he'll have a hand in it as well. Uh, but again, as always, thank you for listening. From all the regions, I was only messing at the start. I kind of ruined this because if you listen at the start and you are from one of those regions, you definitely didn't listen to the end because I went after you. So if you lasted till the end, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.